Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in. It is the Illini cast, and we are on episode three. Can you believe it, Sonny? Three. Wow. We're older than my kids now. Absolutely. <laughs> That's awesome. We've we've uh, we, no, we've hit toddler stage, right? Yes, and we're gonna hit uh, teenage stage here in a before we even know it because football season is almost upon us and that's going to update our frequency a little bit more no i can't wait no it's uh i think we saw it with like 27 days uh till kickoff or something like, like that so i got my illinois football tickets in the email yesterday so i'm excited about that that tells you that the season's right around the corner i got my parking so that's going to be nice uh, at least i'll have a place to park i'm just waiting on the uh, ticket email so uh but it's hard to believe we're actually going to be talking about football after these crazy couple weeks. Thank God. You know, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm over it. I've, you know, I, I say I hate it and yet I spend nights, you know, for an hour or two just responding to these major college football accounts, responding, giving my thoughts. And I just want to talk football. You know, I want to talk opening day. I want to talk Toledo. I want to talk Penn state and I want to talk Big Ten football. What about you, Austin? Oh, absolutely, I do. Uh, because, I mean, it, it is so frustrating to hear about what's going to happen in 2024 when there is still a whole other year of college football, there's a whole other year of college basketball, and there's a whole other year of non-revenue sports and that awesome spring season ahead of us. And uh, it feels like this season is its so historic, but yet people are just kind of, pooing it in a way too yeah i mean we have you know possibly you know three top six teams in the big 10 conference like that could be going to the college playoff you know like mm-hmm. it, there's a lot of good talent in the big 10 and obviously you know with four teams entering next year you know that's kind of where the focus point has been but me as an illinois fan the idea that you know we have a team that i'm excited about that could win the big 10 west division you know and make that big 10 championship game you know i just kind of that time will come 2024 will come let me enjoy Mm -hmm. 2023 for a little bit let's have one more apple cup let's have one more civil war let's have one last year of bedlam let's let's get all of this historic season underway and with that comes preview season and this episode, we're going to preview the Big Ten East, and then we have an an interview with Eric, the Ohio State Big Banter podcast uh, a foe of ours or a friend, whatever it is. Uh, maybe it will. It's a friend right now, and yeah, then a foe possibly in December. It was pretty friendly, and it, yeah, yes. I like that idea. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, because I feel like I feel like that could be an opponent that we have in the state of Indiana near the end of the year. I love uh, it. Sign me up. Exactly. Great interview. And again, uh, the Alana cast is part of the big banter uh, podcast network. Can't forget to mention all mention that we have a great podcast network of great big 10 um, hosts and guests and uh, can't wait to get more uh, involved in those relationships with the fellow podcasts. Yeah, it's going to be fun, uh, especially come football season. We'll be able to kind of collaborate with uh, the different team podcast and, you know, review what happened in the game before and preview the ones coming up. So it'll be a nice little bit of trash talk back and forth. Uh, Hopefully we'll be on the giving end as opposed to the receiving end this year. Absolutely. And I think that's Brett Bielema's plan, but 
Illinois is not in the Big Ten East, but we do have a few opponents uh, in the Big Ten East this year. Our first Big Ten game will be against Penn State. Uh, that'll be at Memorial Stadium in Champaign on September 16th. Then we take on Maryland in College Park. That's going to be on October 14th. And then we play Indiana on November 11th. That'll be a huge revenge game in Champaign after last year's debacle of defense and officiating. And we'll get to all of that right now. So, Sonny, who is your last place Big Ten East team? I have Rutgers finishing last. Um, okay. I, I, you know, I, I, Chiano's doing his best. He's trying. Um, I know. I think I saw like they had seven straight uh, bottom five uh, offensive performances, like in the uh, P5 conferences. Last year, their offense was uh, second to last. They can't figure out the offense. You know, uh, all their top three wide receivers left this year. So, I mean, does it get better? Does it get worse? They got some solid running backs, uh, a couple of freshmen, and uh, offense is going to be tough. You know, their defense was nice. They, I think they had like a top 10 defensive improvement, but it's just tough playing in that Big Ten East where you have three guaranteed losses. You have other teams that, you know, we're going to reference a little bit later, and you feel bad for them because they've lost their their team MVP, their, their, their superstar punter, Adam uh, uh, Kursak, I think it was. I don't know if you watched any Rutgers games last year, but like the crowd would literally applaud when he entered the games. So, you know, how do you replace your most productive player? It's just unfortunate for Rutgers. It's their punter. Yeah. My last place team is Indiana. Um, I mean, Tom Allen, you either have to be entrenched in tradition in the big 10, or you have to be ultra innovative. And Tom Allen just is not that. So I think Indiana is in a place where I don't know if he's necessarily on the hot seat or not, but he's got to get it going, especially with the added competition coming in next year. Um, there, there's just not a huge margin of error for the Indiana Hoosiers. And I mean, they have a lot of transfers coming in, but their defense gave up 33.9 points per game last year, and they only returned two of those starters. So it's going to be a fresh new system for a lot of new guys uh, to learn and to develop in. And I, I just don't see that happening. So um, he had a great 2019 and 2020 stretch, but is that really going to take place again? I don't think so. Ohio State's stronger. Michigan's stronger. Michigan State seems to be stabilized at this point. In 2019 and 2020, they weren't the Michigan State that we all know who they are. So I think Indiana's in deep trouble. Who was your number six team in the Big Ten East? Uh, let's see. I had, Well, actually, I had Indiana here. Um, okay. I had Rutgers last and then Indiana. For me, Indiana, you know, the two teams we've basically discussed at this point, uh, Rutgers and Indiana, show you just how important finding a quarterback is in college football. Um, you know, they, they've been in a rut. Like, I know, I think I saw that they're losing 30 seniors, and they're, you know, but for Indiana, is that a bad thing? You know, they brought in 25 new transfers, so I'm almost trying to look at the glass half full aspect that yeah you lost so much talent but you lost a lot of talent on a bad team mm -hmm. so um 
I, uh, he made a, they have co-defensive coordinators now. I, I was reading about the other gentleman. He uh, won a, he's a former Broyles award winner. So, you know, he can coach defense, but is it too late? Like you said, at this point, you know, does Ken Allen lose his job? Because you'd assume he'd have to pretty much make a bowl game. Yeah, I mean, it's got to happen. Like, it's now or never for Indiana. And if you're Indiana, you have a great Big Ten budget. You can possibly steal a coach from the Pac-12, the ACC, and even the Big 12 because we're in a two-super conference league uh, in college football right now. So if you're Indiana, you have a chance to upgrade that coach pretty quickly because you can say you can coach in the top conference and be stable where you are for at least a few years in the number one conference in terms of money in the big 10. So you'll have the resources. If you're Indiana, there's just no reason to settle for what Tom Allen is giving you year to year. No, I mean, Indiana has the least amount of wins in the last hundred years. I think they're like the second worst football program in the history of college football or something along those lines. (laughs) And yet, sitting here today, a lot of good coaches would want that job. Yeah. For the for the reasons you said so. You know, it's going to, you know, with the P2 forming, you know, it's going to have money and budgets that other programs that are considered a lot stronger than Indiana football is, uh, you know, that they'd be envious of. I mean, Oregon State, I don't know who their coach is right now, I got to be honest, but they are supposed to make at least some noise in the Pac-12 this upcoming year and if tom allen struggles why not just bring the oregon state coach over because he might not want to coach in the mountain west he'll have a shot at the big 10 that's just one example um and pure just speculation because we have a full football season ahead of us but i mean that's the kind of power that the big 10 will have um in gaining coaches in the future yeah or even like uh established coaches in other conferences you know like uh Wake Forest uh, Clawson, who I think is a fantastic coach. If I were Northwestern, I would go gung-ho after him. He was one of the guys I like for Illinois. Yeah, he's got a cushy little gig at Wake Forest in the ACC, but he can make a significant more uh, amount of money at Indiana with the Big Ten budget. So it's, you know, we're talking from a point of view of spoils, but uh, we made, in my opinion, a home run hire with uh, Brett Bielema mm-hmm. and, you know, to all the Indiana fans listening to this, you know, we're, I guess we're just trying to say that there is optimism to look forward to. All you need to do is make that one good hire. Yep. The grass is possibly greener on the other side because it's not this, it's not being a lower class big 10 team. When you are the Indiana Hoosiers, the Indiana state, Indiana state as a whole has a lot of great high school football in it. And if you can't tap into that, that's a huge problem. So if you get a coach that has that some recruiting juice and gets a, an exciting staff around him, the sky's the limit. Illinois has shown that by making this bowl game last year and uh, actually having momentum on its side. Um, once momentum dies in college football on your in your organization, you can't get it back. It is so difficult because recruits start to look elsewhere. They start to look at your sister schools, like your brother schools, quote like a Purdue or like a uh, Cincinnati even. So there's not a lot of room for margin of error right now for Tom Allen. You've got to harness that momentum as best as you can this year. That's right. Okay, so we got 
what I perceive to be the two worst programs out of the way uh, in the Big Ten East. Who do you got next? Um, I had a Rutgers six, by the way. I think just because no, Greg no. Schiano has an identity and mm-hmm. Tom Allen does not, I think he's a hard-nosed kind of Brett Bielema-style coach. Uh, run the ball, great defense is his staple. So I think with Kyle Monongade, um as their running back, I think that's going to be the difference between Indiana and Rutgers uh, finishing dead last in that Big Ten East. Um, going to number five, I think I got to go with just a question mark of a – of a high ceiling, but also a low floor. And that's the Michigan state Spartans, because I just feel like they are always transfer happy, which that's fine in today's world of college football, but you just never know how those groups are going to coexist. Uh, I think they're head and shoulders better than Rutgers and in Indiana right now, but the schools that we're going to be talking above them, uh, it's, it, I, I don't believe they have it in them to, to pass those schools up. Maybe my number four coming up, but I think that's where they're at. They're going to beat up on the lower tier teams, then get beat up on by the Michigans and Ohio States and Penn States of the world. Yeah. And I had Michigan state at five too. And, you know, in the East, it used to be the big four. And Mm -hmm. now Michigan state is clearly a tier below, you know, they're battling, in the mid-level with what I'm assuming is going to be both yours and mine, uh, number four team. And, you know, the transfer portal giveth, but, you know, in Michigan State's case this year, it also taketh away. You know, they, after spring ball, they lost their, they lost their potential two-year starter, uh, Peyton Thorne, at quarterback, and they lost who they thought was going to be their next great wide receiver uh, with the Keon Coleman, I think his name was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he he uh, surprised a lot of people when after spring ball he transferred over to Florida State. So you know, I know it's almost like an Addison situation, Jordan Addison situation uh, of USC there. Yeah, yeah, and I know Mel Tucker talked about this being his best tra- uh, incoming transfer class he's ever had. But I mean, he's playing with fire here, you know. I mean, Michigan State ranked 12th in the Big Ten in rush defense last year. And what do you have to do to win in the Big Ten? You've got to stop the run, and you got to be able to run the ball. So stopping the run is very uh, is very difficult for them, and their secondary is going to be a little shoddy with a lot of transfers uh, coming in. So when you look at who is in the Big Ten East, Marvin Harrison of Ohio State, J.J. McCarthy of Michigan. I I mean, those kind of stats give me a lot of pause for how Michigan State is going to do in this Big Ten. Yeah, just another frustrating loss for us last year. Wish uh, (laughs) we had taken care of business over them last year. I I mean, the supposed underachievers of this year's Big Ten are are most gut-wrenching losses in Michigan State (laughs) and in Indiana. Like, our offense just – uh, they turned off the valve of water uh, in those two games. Like at we were points. so close. We we're so close. Yes. I mean, that Indiana, you know, not to go back on it, but you know, we're talking about an awful claw call by the referees, which the entire world was watching. I think it was an ESPN game. Yep. <sighs> yeah, but so, uh, I, mm-hmm. I have a funny story quickly about that Indiana game. I was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, with my then fiance. And a couple of her friends. So we're like, let's just go to a sports bar. Let's get some food. It's getting kind of late. So 
we pile into the sports bar and then all of a sudden a huge rush of indiana fans pile in apparently we were at pittsburgh's indiana hoosier bar and i <laughs> was just feeling miserable that entire dinner i'm like are you kidding me like all these indiana hoosier fans are just uh hanging around celebrating everything and especially that call i was like i gotta leave babe. We, got, we gotta get to our airbnb right now this is ridiculous i am i am livid i like i was i had to call myself down with a few glasses of water there <laughs> <laughs> i would have calmed myself down with a few glasses of something else probably but probably would have gotten kicked out at that point i, I would have probably got a little bit saucy that uh, yeah, yeah. Eh. i think you made the right choice I'd have been like, guys, remember that layup, Tyler Griffey? <laughs> hey, remember that? Right. Well, At you, that point, Trace, Trace Jackson Davis hasn't beaten Illinois. How about that? You manhandled by <laughs> no no player in the world was happier that Kofi went pro than yes. Trace. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but back, back to, to the list. <laughs> Who do you have at number four? I have Maryland. Um, you know, Mike Loxley, I'm going to, you know, circle back to a point I was making earlier, you know, he, it's Maryland has shown how important it is to get a good quarterback in your system. I'm not going to try to say his name. Uh, I fumbled through it every single time. Talia. Tavalia, 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 okay. Yes. yes. He, um, you know, bringing him in basically not only brought some uh, you know no, uh, publicity to uh, Maryland, but it also brought uh, the skill players when it comes to recruiting. People want to play with a quarterback like that. That's why that's kind of how Maryland has you know gone from being in the Rutgers and Indiana level of the Big Ten and slowly started graduating up to you know a pretty solid middle tier in the Big Ten. And you know in other conferences they could be higher, but they just happen to be in the same one with three you know, giant programs. And, uh, yeah. Good. Yeah. I mean, it's so difficult with them, especially when you have to rebuild on the trenches. And that's something that Mike Loxley had to do this year. And again, when you're dealing with Penn state, Ohio state and Michigan, that is not an easy task to say, Hey, do you guys want to go up against the best edge rushers? Um, right. each, for three weeks out of the year of in the country, the answer most likely is no. They want to be on those teams, so they just have to deal with them in practice and not get embarrassed on Saturdays. Yeah, they, I don't think anyone's going to be happier than them once we get rid of the divisions in the Big Ten. Just uh, you know, it, it, like you said, but they, you know, they made a good defensive hire. So the defensive coordinator, who I think they like, gave a trial run to. He, he aced his. Um, test essentially i think i saw that they after halftime adjustments that they had left they they had less than 10 points scored on them after a half and nine of 13 games and that just means you know your defensive coordinator who again was in his first full season was making good adjustments that's you know kind of what you want uh, they were ranked uh 24th out of 69 power five teams which again for maryland that's what they just need an average defensive team because you know they've got the offensive skill talent they've got the quarterback you know all big 10 second team um if they can have an average uh defensive side of the football i you know again in any other conference they could have uh you know be competing in here 
they are a solid four for me. Yeah, I mean, you look at you look at this kind of tier of Michigan State and Maryland. It's like the six and six kind of teams. Like you're just trying to make that bowl game. I feel like those are the two kind of tiers uh, that we've dealt with: the bottom feeders, and then you have the bowl hopefuls or the big bowl hopefuls, I guess, or not. Basically, status below the New Year's Six, essentially. Mm -hmm. So. You look at Tawa Tawalia, I feel like that's going to help propel them to maybe an upset over a team like Penn State in a way, because we've seen it before in college football that if that quarterback really gets going, especially using his legs, and you have to start having quarterback spies at the linebacker position, then you can carve them up in the middle of the field with your passing game. So I feel like they could steal one but everything's going to have to go right uh, for the Maryland Terrapins in that particular game. Uh, but, I mean, I, I got to give credit to Michael Oxley for what he's done. I mean, that D.C. area was great for the Illini back in the 2007 uh, world of Illinois football, and he's brought that juice back to the D.C. area for the Terrapins, and that's uh, been kind of why they've propelled further a against the Indianas and the Rutgers and um, even Michigan State. Yeah, I mean, I, I I applauded the hire from as an Illinois fan uh, when Maryland hired him because I didn't think he was that good of a head coach. I just thought maybe he had found his role as one of the top offensive coordinators in the country. Mm -hmm. um, what, he win like one or two games or something like that at uh, New Mexico, you know, in his previous run. But he's shown the way he's kind of rebuilt this Maryland program that he knows what he's doing. Right. Um, you know, obviously he still needs to work on the trenches and, you know, especially for this conference, but his system is working and we're, we're kind of seeing it. So instead of, you know, what I thought was going to be just another program that needed to hire a new coach in three, four years, I think Maryland has found their guy for the foreseeable future. All right, who is your number three? Now, this gets interesting now, I think, you know, because you have three teams who I would not be surprised if you went one, two, three with either of them. And to be honest, like, my one, two, three changes change right up before we recorded this podcast. So I'm just going to blurt this out. My number three is Ohio State. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And strictly because um, for the quarterback situation, as we'll get to a little later with Eric from the OHIO podcast, um, they can't seem to figure out who they want to start at quarterback. Whereas Michigan's got, you know, uh, McCarthy and uh, Penn State obviously has Drew Aller, who I'm assuming, you know, we might be talking about very soon. They got the position players. Uh, they got, you know, their defense was had a great run uh, last year up until the second half of the last regular season game where Michigan basically ran roughshod over them. Um, I think people are getting a little antsy. Ohio State fans are getting a little antsy. The pressure on Ryan Day is slowly starting to get there. Um, whoever the next quarterback is, it doesn't look like it's, you know, a clear talent above like what, Justin Fields was or CJ Stroud was and obviously they got an insane wide receiver room but 
you know, I, again, I say that they're going to finish third in the Big Ten division, but I can also see them winning the national championship. So it kind of shows to how deep and strong that the top of this uh, division is. Yeah, my number three, I do have Penn State. I love Drew Aller as the quarterback, but they have some wide receiver uh, questions coming into this year. And I feel like you got to, this is kind of crazy to save in the Big Ten East. You got to you gotta score some points. You got to find people who catch the ball. I know they got a Kent State transfer, but um, I, I think they are squarely at number three, especially with the talent on the offensive line with Olu Fashinu. He's going to be a first-round pick um, on the left side, anchoring that Penn State offensive line. And their defense has some uh, great skill kind of players as well in their linebacker and secondary core. So I, I think this Penn State team is going to be really good. But until I see from James Franklin some extreme consistency of beating the top teams week after week after week, I just can't put them number one or two based on a – game planning um, edge that I feel like Ryan Day and Jim Harbaugh have. Yeah, I mean, I like Penn State too. Um, or, yeah, I mean, I like Penn State uh, as my number two. Um, <laughs> I I think Aller could quite possibly be the most important player in college football this year. Um, if he rises to the level that, you know, um, his ceiling projects to, I think Penn State from top to bottom has the potential to not only win the conference, but, you know, make it to the college football playoff and compete. Um, this is James Franklin's best team that he's had at Penn State. They're loaded everywhere. And so, you know, I guess I'm kind of guessing or, you know, my forecast is saying that he does become above average quarterback. You know, he, he played well last year. Um, you know, even while Clifford was breaking every Penn State passing record, uh, career passing record, you know, he was still getting booed sometimes just because kids, people wanted to see the young hotshot five-star. And so for me, if James Franklin is going to have his year, I know, you know, there's always been rumors about him wanting to leave for the USC job or this or that. You know, Penn, the uh, state of Pennsylvania had a really strong uh, recruiting cycle the last couple of years. So they've loaded up. I think they had like the number six recruiting class uh, last year or the year before. They've got a lot of talent on that team. And I personally am going to lean towards James Franklin being a good coach. I really like what he did at Vanderbilt. So if I believe that about James Franklin and if I think that Drew Aller can be a, an above average quarterback, my hot take is going to be that uh, they finish second in, in the division. That's fair. I like it. Um, my number two is Ohio State. I wanted to pull the trigger as the number one team in the Big Ten East, but the quarterback questions remain. Um, I do have the number two above Penn State for another reason, and that's Marvin Harrison Jr., um, I, I'm a huge Philadelphia Eagles fan. I mentioned that on the pod before, but whenever I watched Alabama um, with him, Devontae Smith was a game breaker, game wrecker that no defensive coordinator really knew how to stop. And Marvin Harrison Jr. plays a very different style, but he has that same game breaking ability. And 
I feel like defensive coordinators are going to rip their hair out uh, trying to contain him in the Big Ten. Heck, if he doesn't get injured, I think they beat Georgia and then they beat TCU by a ton uh, to win the national championship. So I love Marvin Harrison, but I do feel like there's questions, and Eric alluded to this as well, on their offensive line. And I feel like they are they don't have the deepest team that they've ever had. So that leads me to some concerns about finishing number one in the conference. But I feel like Marvin Harrison Jr. won't let them lose and become the third place team in this Big Ten East. Yeah, I mean, you're probably right. You know, as you kind of alluded to, you know, uh, if Marvin Harrison doesn't get hurt in that game, like they would have beaten an arguably a dynasty level Georgia team. Yep. You know, I mean, they they had the momentum. Everything kind of changed after that point. So I can absolutely see what you're saying. And apparently, you know, they've got younger guys in that wide receiver room who are almost just as good as we're going to hear about a little later. It's, (laughs) you know, they're kind of spoiled over there in Columbus. But, um, you know, I think it comes down to uh, that offensive line, that quarterback. You know, Michigan's got maulers on that defensive line. And they're going. They've done it the last couple of years, and they're going to try to beat beat them up and out physical Ohio State on the lines this year. And uh, that's what kind of keeps me from putting them over uh, what I assume is going to be yours and my top team. Yeah, I mean, you look at Ohio State and the way they're recruiting in recent stretches, where guys from the Midwest aren't necessarily picking them right away. They are going to Penn State. They are going to Notre Dame. They are going to um, Michigan. And their national recruiting, the talent has migrated to the South. So a lot of guys are picking Texas. A lot of guys are picking Georgia. A lot of guys are still picking Alabama. Like, there are some instances where I, like, this is very anecdotal, but I see them sign, like, a few three stars where I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. Um, I would not have them to sign guys like that this early on in a process so it, it is kind of interesting to see uh, how ryan day has taken a step back from recruiting because he was on the hottest streak uh, imaginable on the recruiting trail uh now it feels like they're struggling a little bit at other positions not named wide receiver i do wonder how much the new rules with nil has to do with it you know ohio state like you know we've had ryan day talk about how you know, his boosters, you know, need an X amount of million dollars a year. And, you know, with the teams down south, the ones that you're, you name, you know, Texas, Auburn, Alabama, they're just giving you blank checks. You just, you let us know how much you need. They're writing them up. From what I gathered, Ryan Day and the Ohio State staff, you know, they make more of an effort to try to solicit money and you make, you know, make it known that, hey, in order to compete, in recruiting in the modern game, you know, money matters. And so I wonder if, you know, Ohio State, you know, they're still obviously recruiting amazingly, but there's other programs where now that the rules have uh, become not rule, the rules have changed, essentially, uh, where money becomes into a factor. I think a lot of the guys that Ohio State was originally getting before are now considering the Texas type of programs and you know, some of those programs down south who kind of always looked the other way to begin with when it came to money. Yeah, absolutely. So 
Number one, we both have the University of Michigan left on the board. And give me your reasons why you think they're winning this conference, or at least this division. Yeah. You know, if we'd recorded this podcast yesterday, I would have had Penn State winning the division. And that was going to be my hot take. You know, like, uh, that's what I want to do, surprise everyone. And then now I see it on podcasts showing up, you know, look out for Penn State. Twitter, you know, accounts are throwing out, you know, Penn State's the sleeper of the year. So it's like, I wanted to go against the green, but now that people are actually picking Penn State, I was like, somehow Michigan became undervalued. I mean, this is a team that, you know, has dominated the last two years. And usually when you perform very well, when you go to a national championship game or uh, and then follow it up with another college football playoff game, you're losing a lot of talent. Somehow Michigan is bringing it all back. So they're another year older. Their they're star young quarterback gets another year of experience. Their recruiting has reached levels it has never reached before under Harbaugh. You know, they're, they're a bunch of malls. They're the big 10 personified you know they they're they'll out physical you they'll they're going to beat teams up but also in this case you know unlike the illinois the wisconsin's the iowa's who beat you up they're doing it with four and five star guys now and so you know for me it's just i know this is a super lazy answer but i can't look past them like until somebody until you know ohio state can figure it out or you know, that's a, probably the biggest game of the year this year, besides the game, is uh, Michigan visits Penn State at Penn State. So, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's going to be a must-watch game. You know, it, I'm going to be tuned into that one. And, um, yeah, for me, it's just I wanted to go off with the sexy pick, but truth be told, you know, I think it's Michigan's to lose. I mean, I, I will give some pause, though. Michigan did lose their star kicker who if he missed Illinois wins and then who knows what happens in the college football world again more pain for Illinois fans uh, but, yeah, this podcast was a lot tougher to record than <laughs> I imagined the Big Ten West will strangely be easier um, <laughs> yeah. but but the but you look at Michigan seven starters return on their defense. Uh, They have the best running back duo in the country with Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. They return J.J. McCarthy, who may be in New York City at the end of the season, Mm -hmm. holding up a trophy. And Jim Harbaugh has done great. Their offensive line is one of their is one of the top five in the country. It's a team with the recipe to win a national title. It's a team with the similar recipe of like, Georgia, whenever they started out their ascent uh, to upend Alabama. Um, I don't know if Michigan has the juice that Georgia does just because of the regionality of it, but it is looking like a Diet Coke version of Georgia. And I think they can compete um, in one game against Georgia and, and potentially beat them. We saw it with Ohio State last year, and I think Michigan could potentially do it um, in this year's semifinal or final, wherever it is. So I think Michigan is a powerhouse, a behemoth that should scare these uh, four teams coming into the Big Ten next year because they're, they're I think they're all staring down Ohio State and Columbus, Ohio, 
but I think Michigan is the true bully that they need to watch out for whenever they come to the big house um, starting in 2024. Yeah, it's funny, you know, just kind of thinking about it. You know, Michigan, I think, is clearly the most talented team up and down from, you know, 1 to 85. Um, they're, I have them winning the division. But it's funny, like, you know, you just talking about conference uh, or college football playoffs, you know, and beat, taking on the Georgias. The team, I think, that would have the best chance of winning the national title and competing with the SEC teams is the team I picked to finish third in the division. You know, I just, it's yeah. just, you know, like, oh, Ohio State has the speed and, you know, the playmakers. And, you know, Michigan might this year. You know, especially, you know, if uh, JJ makes that another leap, um, you know, I think he – with a strong season, he can be a pretty high NFL draft pick. So, you know, it's again, it just shows you that one, two, three could have been three, two, one, could have been two, three, one, you know, when it comes to the top of this division. And I think one thing we're discounting, especially with all the talent they return, is they have a chip on their shoulder. And a team that good shouldn't necessarily have a chip on their shoulder. Yeah. But the way their season ended against TCU when everybody and their mother was picking Michigan to just violently, violently. I lost a lot of money on that game, Yes, yes. A lot of people <laughs> did. I oh my seemed, gosh. watching Twitter, watching Twitter that night was rather funny because just people were like, uh, Michigan, uh, we had you like at an alternate point spread and everything. Right, right, right. And I kept live betting, live betting. Oh, no, no, they'll come back. They'll come back. So <laughs> I didn't think it would be tougher to hate Michigan more than I already do, and especially after that loss that we had to them last year. But when they took my money from me last year, too, it's just uh, there's just nothing I like about that program. I mean, as an Alina fan, I know I'm not really supposed to say this, but the Michigan players, at least, they are a very likable bunch of Wolverines, which yeah. is crazy to say, like Ohio State has turned into kind of like the villain. So Michigan is like that new new kid on the block of like, right. hey, guys, and they <laughs> upended Ohio State a couple years in a row. And now it's like, OK, they're, they're in they're firmly in this national title picture, uh, something I didn't think I'd necessarily say four to six years ago when Harbaugh was somehow on a hot seat. Um, in Michigan fans' minds and national analysts' minds, and especially in the Big Ten side where they were like, oh, they haven't beat Ohio State for three right. years in a row. So is he going to be gone? I mean, it's just crazy how things look differently. Like if Illinois was in Michigan's shoes, then it would be like party all night, party all day, every day, every year. And with Michigan, it's like, okay, uh, you didn't beat Ohio State, hot seat. <laughs> yeah, it's because he was doing fine otherwise. You know, they were winning yeah. nine games, ten games. He just couldn't win that one game. And they went you kind of see the Sugar Bowl. It, you kind of see it happening now with the other side, right? Ryan Day. All of yep. a sudden, he's he's winning 10, 11 games a year, but he can't beat the you know the one team that matters. And you know, as Eric's about to you know tell you, Ohio State fans are kind of losing patience with them. But I really don't know who they would go out and hire. There's not a natural fit to be like, hey, you're the top coach now, so go and be a national title champion, a national champion. Like, I don't see that coach out there in the wings. Like, 
Uh, Luke Fickle already accepted his job at Wisconsin. Um, I know Ohio State can get anybody they want, but I don't see that natural progression. Like you could say, oh, just steal Lincoln Riley from USC, but USC is joining the Big Ten Conference. So uh, there isn't a natural fit to replace Ryan Day. I think that's the best chance they got at this particular moment. We may think that, but unless he beats Michigan. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> we're going to find out soon. I mean, that's a, what, <laughs> top three, top four job in the country, Ohio State? Yeah. I mean, who knows? There probably is an NFL coach that might want to pounce to that opportunity, too, that we're not even thinking about. So mm-hmm. who knows what will happen? But again, Ryan Day will probably surprise us all and go undefeated and then um, <laughs> hold up the hey. national title at the very end and be like, hey, well, why are you guys worried? And then. Michigan fans are just suddenly back on the, well, this was the best Jim Harbaugh team of all time, and they still lost the big game, um, and they missed the right. college football playoff. They lost to uh, Penn State, too. Like, I mean, it's uh, – it'll he'll, he can go right back on the hot seat just as quick as he got off of it. Yeah, another reason I can't wait for this season. I just want to see how it plays out. Yes, this is so exciting, and we've only scratched the surface with the Big Ten East. Next episode will be about the Big Ten West. Um but right now we have an awesome interview with Eric from the OHIO podcast. They are also part of the Big Banter Podcast Network. Um, we'll check back in after that interview. And uh, thanks again for listening. This is the Illini Cast, part of the Big Banter Podcast Network. What is going on? Cast alongside Sonny, and we have Eric Boggs from the Ohio Podcast. We're both part of the Big Banter Podcast Network. How's it going, Eric? It's going well. Thanks for having us in. Austin, Sonny, good to see you again, my man. Appreciate you joining us today, Eric. Absolutely. So, Eric, let's get this started uh, with what's blowing up the college football world right now, and that's realignment. What are your initial thoughts on the potential additions of four schools in the West and whatever is going on in the ACC. (laughs) So I am a huge traditionalist guys. I'm, I'm old school, man. Like I remember the, the idea of winning the big 10 and going to the Rose bowl. And that meant everything. And with the addition of the college football playoff, well, first with the BCS, then the college football playoff and now the extended playoff and, college football alignment it's definitely not the world i grew up in it is a it is a whole new world and it is nfl light let's just call it like it is man it it really is it's the minor leagues for the nfl now and i'm really worried austin to be to be completely honest with you that we are losing some of the great traditions that made college football special i still expect there to be you know dotting the I in Script, Ohio and Columbus. Um, I still expect the bands and the cheerleaders and, and and all of that to, all of those things to be there. But the feel of college football is changing so rapidly. We started our podcast five years ago. And in just those five years, the things that have changed from our first episode to where we're at today, it feels like almost a completely different sport that we're covering. And when you take 
that away and you just look at the dollars and cents, I like what the Big Ten is doing to compete and stay relevant into the future, which is good for Ohio State. It's good for the Illini. It's good for the traditional Big Ten schools. Thank goodness for that. But it's not the same sport, Austin, that I grew up watching. I joke around with my friends all the time that, you know, every evening, whenever, you know, I think about what I'm grateful for, the first thing is, of course, the health of my family and kids. But second is that Illinois was a founding member of the Big Ten. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Because otherwise, there's no, we we would be on the outside looking in. And like you said, you know, um, you know, I I like the idea of the whole realignment thing, just the practice of it uh, has me hooked. But it's losing the innocence that college football had compared to the professional counterparts. Yep. And, um, and there's obviously nothing we can do about it. This, you know, it's it's not about college sports anymore. It's all about TV ratings. And, you know, we're kind of at the mercy of ABC, uh, NBC, CBS and uh, ESPN. Do you think maybe the Big Ten, though, can trade Northwestern? Is that a possibility? <laughs> Can we, can we can we make that happen? I mean, I know you guys got to agree with me. I know that's your rival and everything, but at this point, can't we just trade them away somewhere? I mean, I also mean, made a have, joke earlier. Go ahead. I mean, we have possession of the hat right now, so now is the best time. So <laughs> it's not going to rot away at Northwestern's uh, trophy case, whatever wherever that is. <laughs> we we can just talk about uh, swapping the Mac out with the uh, University of Chicago. We'll see if they want to go back into athletics. Uh, you know, they were a founding member, so yeah. You know, let's contact their athletic department. I mean, you, it might be a little dangerous going to that campus, but <laughs> eh, what's life without a little risk involved, right? right? Uh, what's you know, it, it'll be bring you more excitement than Ryan Field. So <laughs> this is true. This is true. But uh, all right, Eric, let's talk about some Ohio State football. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start it off. I'm going to ask you a question. I want to know your honest opinion. Gun to your head. The college gods have blessed you with the ability to change the result of any game or one of these two games from last season. Do you A, turn it around against Michigan? You win that uh, game against Michigan, but still lose in the college football playoff against Georgia. Or do you get to beat Georgia? last year still lose to michigan but then you go on to the college football final where i would assume you would have been a pretty heavy favorite over tcu what say you so this is what makes buckeye nation insane right most people are going to tell you yeah of course we'll trade a loss to our rival for a national title but here's the thing about that national title if you don't beat that team up north because we don't like to even mention their names if you don't beat them on your way to winning that national title, it's going to feel hollow. And so I know it's crazy. I know. Wow. <laughs> but there, the, the stain that we have for all things maize and blue is real, man. It is real. The rivalry is, is it's not a rivalry. It's a hatred. Like I have very, let me tell you a quick story. So, after my divorce, I re-entered the dating field in my 30s. <laughs> okay, and and I hadn't gone on a date since I was in college, which was in 2000. Okay, and so I'm out there 
on on all the dating sites and meeting people and i refused to go on a date with someone who was a michigan <laughs> won't do it you ever you see that remember the espn commercial where the guy's in the car with the, the girl and he finds out she's a michigan fan and he opens the door <laughs> and jumps out I'm based you know? on you huh well <laughs> Yeah, I could I could relate to that. I guess you could say, um, no. I would I would I would definitely say let's 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 beat the team up north and and I I, I can live with the Georgia fans rubbing it in our face, which they have, um, but because they know we had a man, we had him on the ropes. Some things didn't uh -huh. go our way, but I cannot stand losing. To that team up north, man. Not just losing. I mean, let's be honest. I'm not trying to oh. pick out a scab here. That was a. That wasn't very close. It was a royal beatdown, dude. Like yeah. it. Like we we got we got we got spanked by daddy, twice, <laughs> twice, <laughs> yeah. and that hurts, man. Like <laughs> that hurts bad. I I have a question about this year's Ohio State team. Where does Marvin Harrison Jr. rank in your? in your rankings of skill players that you've seen at the university of Ohio state. He's up there, dude. Like, I mean, every time we have a good receiver, we have the debate of where does he rank all time? Because obviously it starts with like Chris Carter, right? Like he was, he was the first real receiver at Ohio state to, to get national attention. And, and, and uh, uh, we had Paul Warfield, but he was, that was in an era where they didn't really throw the football much. And he, all, he went on and had a great NFL career as a Hall of Famer. But Chris Carter was the first real receiver at Ohio State. And so everything is based off of him. And so then you have guys in the 90s like Joey Galloway and David Boston. You know, these guys were great. They went on and had good NFL careers. Um, but even they were still like, hey, Chris Carter's number one. And then all of a sudden – you have this influx of receiver talent under urban Meyer that just explodes and it's year after year after year of having tremendous guys. And I, I think when it's going to be all said and done, if he has the year this year, that is like last year, even though he might not have the records because he's going to go to the NFL a year early, I still think Marvin Harrison Jr., when it's all said and done, is the most all-around best receiver that we've ever had at Ohio State, to be completely honest. And I don't and I don't like to usually do that. I'll I'll go back more to the guys in the 80s, 90s, you know, 70s and say these were the I mean, when you have Archie Griffin, the only two-time Heisman trophy winner, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's really, it's like, it's like, hey, where does Zeke rate? He's not even in top five, man. He's not. I mean, you got Eddie George and all these guys. And so, but to sit, so I, I'm not blowing smoke up your guys' butts. Marvin Harrison Jr. is that good. He could be number one in our in our program history when it's all said and done, if he has a great year. That's wild, just considering the guy, the names that you're, you know, naming both yeah. in the past, but even, especially in recent memory, it's, yeah. Garrett Wilson, 10. Olave, yeah. like, I mean, the Jackson. joke, the joke on our podcast was that Olave was my sixth grade dance shirt. It was smooth, you know. <laughs> that, that that was the running joke on the podcast. But, but you know, here's the thing, man. Like, it seems like as soon as you get one, you're like, oh, he's the best. 
Ryan Hartline develops another one. But yeah. I, I really – here's what's scary. You know Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to get all the attention, right? Don't forget Emeka Ibuka was rated much higher than him yeah. coming, out of that, coming out of that class. He's for real, guys. And, and then and we have Julian Fleming's healthy coming into this season. He was the number one ranked receiver the class before. And, of course, we got a couple five-star freshmen that are coming up. So the train keeps rolling in the receiver room thanks to Brian Hartline. Austin, I don't know about you, but this conversation made me a little angry. We don't – we're just we – get, we got a four-star signing with us last year, and we were fist-pumping, and, you know, he's almost a topic of our training camp focuses this year. So, I, you know, I don't share the the enthusiasm for five-stars. Well, one day we'll get there, but we'll see. Um, but speaking of receivers, yeah. this year, who's throwing it to them? Oh. Okay, so here we just opened camp today. Everybody thought, for the most part, that Kyle McCord was going to get the first crack. Here's the reason why. He's been on campus. This will be his third year, okay? So he's got one more year experience than anybody else in, in the program. He was high school teammates with Marvin Harrison Jr. Mm -hmm. So there's already that chemistry that was there. But Devin Brown is not going to let this thing go easily. He is um, confident. He has a swagger about him. He is a little bit more athletic. Like the players themselves, when they're asked, will tell you that he his escapability is really good. And given the fact that our offensive line is going to take a major step back this year, we're going to need somebody who can use his feet, which hasn't happened at Ohio State uh, since Urban was here. Um, we haven't had a quarterback that really can get you the first down on third down with his feet. And so that might be critical given the fact that our, our, our we're starting two new tackles and it's been a few years since that's happened. And if the spring game was any indication of their talent level, Sonny, Woo, they are in trouble. Uh, we were counting, Chris and I, from the podcast, every snap, every single snap, it was two seconds or less before our defensive line was getting to the quarterback with just a four-man rush. That was not a blitz or anything. Um, now, does that mean our defensive line might be really good? I hope so. I hope so, because it's been since 2019 since we've really had a pass rush that has – changed an offense and if we can get that then that bodes well for what ohio state can do this season but if that offensive line truly is that bad if they're that weak son we're going to need a quarterback we're going to need we might need all four of our quarterbacks this year because they're going to get killed so well to me. what is Sorry, yeah what is the reasoning behind the offensive line taking a step back as a youth or is it recruiting both um there was so so coach Strudrava was the uh, offensive line coach and he coached for lsu back when they won their their national championship and he was an ohio guy he coached with urban meyer at bowling green and so when urban came he brought coach stud with him coach stud had some some health issues uh he had back surgery he couldn't get out and recruit um and then kevin wilson who's now the head coach at tulsa who was our oc 
he kind of filled in, even though he was our tight end and OC, tight end coach and offensive coordinator, he filled in for Coach Stud. Well, that really affected our recruiting because unless they were a local Ohio kid who was good, we weren't getting them. Um, it just seemed like we would get one good offensive lineman a year and then a bunch of developmental guys. Well, a lot of those developmental guys have left. They've hit the portal. They're gone. So we had to raid the portal for offensive linemen, depth, offensive line depth. And it's just not looking good, man. Like there was there was a gap in the recruiting. And we can seems like we can recruit every position really, really well, except for the offensive line the last couple of years has just not gone our way, which is funny because you would think in the Midwest you should clean up on offensive line recruiting with Wisconsin and and uh, Iowa boys, corn fed boys. I mean, you guys find them, right? Like you mm -hmm. develop them. It seems like every big team, big 10 team can develop offensive linemen. And unless you come in as a five-star at Ohio state, the last time we developed an offensive line that had three-star guys who elevated their play was 2014. When we won the national championship, we had two local three-star kids from Ohio that elevated their play, became NFL linemen. And since then, we haven't really developed them. No. It's, it, uh, I'm just circling back to thinking about uh, no problem. you talking about how uh, you haven't had a running quarterback or someone who can get yardage with the runs uh, since Urban Meyer when yeah. I'm a Chicago Parrot. Bears fan. I'm a Chicago Bears fan. Justin so I see Fields, Justin Fields yeah. just running for rushing record after rushing record. That's I don't know. I, I just found that funny because now it's like we're not sure if he's but, what kind of but passer you, he is. If you remember, he didn't let Justin Fields run until the big games. Right. No. No. Yeah. I'm agreeing with you. I'm just saying. You know, it, it might be a running day thing. The reason behind that was because he had zero confidence in a back in the backup at the time. And so it was like, Justin, don't get hurt. So yeah. don't run. So he wouldn't run until it was the big games. And then he would pull it and run. And remember, yeah. it gets Clemson when he pulled it Clemson. and ran about yeah. got broken in half. That's uh -huh. why. Yeah. So yeah. so Ryan Day, his philosophy where Urban Meyer was like, I'll run until your legs fall off. Yeah. Like JT Barrett, like, I don't care that you can't throw the football. Can you run a read option and give me two or three yards? Yes. OK, we're going. So that, that's the difference of philosophy between Urban and Day at the quarterback position. And if you ask me what I want, I want Justin Fields back because he had both, right? He could do both, and he did both very well. But at the end of the day, I just don't feel like Ryan Day let him be him. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, it was, hey, you need to learn how to throw – Stay in the pocket. Look for your progression of your receivers. Get out of the pocket. Scramble to throw. Don't scramble to run. Um, and it was really hard for him to pull the reins back on Justin. But then C.J. Stroud's like, I'm good with that, man. Yeah. I won't run ever until he <laughs> until Georgia. And and then all of a sudden it was like, where was this at the whole time? Yeah. Eric, final question for you. What? is your prediction for Ohio state this year? And do they make the college football playoff? So I think the big 10 is going to be freaky weird this year. Um, I think Wisconsin is going to be dangerous. Like if you tell me what game scares me the most 
as a Buckeye fan right now, it's the trip to Madison. Luke Fickle, former Buckeye, bled scarlet and gray. Dude, dude's gonna have it out for us because he oh, didn't yeah. even get a didn't even get a phone call from Gene mm-hmm. Smith, the athletic director. Never even called him up to get an interview from him when the position was available. You don't think Luke Fickle, whose ultimate dream was to coach at his alma mater, isn't gonna take that personal? I promise you, he is. Um, that game scares the heck out of me. You have an Iowa team now that all of a sudden has some offensive weapons. Will Brian Ferentz destroy those too, though? Like, I mean, does he break those toys like he's broken everything in Iowa City offensively? <laughs> um, you know, you've got you guys. And and I know one of the things, the questions you had written down for me was, what's the perspective, you know, of Illinois? Like, we look at we look at what Brett, Brett well, we call him Burt, but yeah. what he's got, and we're like, yeah. dude, that's a that's a dangerous team. Look what they did in Ann Arbor last year. Like that oh, we was know. for that was for real. Yeah. Like that's a scary team, you know. The West is wild, and then over in the East, here's what's crazy, dude. I think Maryland is gonna is gonna shock some people. I really do. I think Talia Tagovailoa is is, in my opinion, the best returning quarterback in the Big Ten. I know he throws some interceptions, but look the weapons he had. He had to. He had to take chances. You put that kid on a better roster, that is a CFP quarterback, in my opinion. And I think I think this is the year that Maryland, and according to Mike Loxley, they're ready to compete for championships. So this is yeah. the year Maryland's going to shock somebody. I hope it's not us, but I think they're going to shock one of the big three in the East. Um, I also believe that Penn State is for real. Like their depth is really, really. They've been recruiting really well the last four or five years, and their their depth is there now. Their offensive line is much better. Um, how fast will Drew Aller, Aller um, how fast will he be able to pick up that offense and 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 get things moving moving for them on the on that side of the football? And of course, Ann Arbor team up north, they're returning a lot. They think they're world beaters. We'll find out. Um, it's a, it's going to be crazy. So here's my prediction. I think there's going to be four Big Ten teams go 11-1 and one this year. I do. Are we one of them? I, <laughs> come on, Sonny. Oh. Be realistic. I, I think there's I think there's four Big Ten, four Big wow. Ten teams that go 11-1. I think Wisconsin's one of them. Really? I think I, wow. Yeah. I think, I, yeah, I do. I think Iowa goes somewhere around 10-2. and two. Um, I think that there will be five Big Ten teams in the top 15, 16 in the nation at the end of the year. Um, and I think Michigan, ugh, can't say that word. I hate that. Penn State and Ohio State all go 11 and 1. And who, right. goes, to the, who goes to the championship? Because I think we all beat each other. Right. And, and which team goes to the Big Ten championship at that point is based on several factors, one of which who has the best record in non-conference and if you all go three and oh whose non-conference opponents have the best records so this might actually be a good year for us to play a notre dame because if you look at that team up north non-conference schedule it is sad it is sad Sad. so you my prediction is 11 and one i think we go back to the big 10 championship based off of that i think we have a rematch with wisconsin whose one loss is us 
and hopefully we can win again and go to the CFP. But it, it all boils down, in my opinion, to our offensive line. It doesn't matter how good our quarterback is. If our offensive line is not up to par, none of it matters. It doesn't. Well, I mean, thank you, Eric. <laughs> Eric, uh, let us know. Where can uh, the people find you? We're everywhere, man. <laughs> Wherever you get your podcast, if you want to listen to the audio version, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Store, Amazon. Uh, gosh, I don't know. We might even be on Kiss FM for all I know. Um, <laughs> just look us up, The Ohio Podcast. Um, we're on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, The Ohio Podcast. Uh, you can find us there. Everything we do now is in video format as well. Um, so if you're interested in that. But, yeah, absolutely. Check us out. And uh, thank you again, Sonny, for joining us for your Illini, for our Illini preview. That was a lot of fun. Um, so we're going through that right now. I think we got eight of them published already and six to go. I've been watching all of them. I suggest all of you guys do the same. And, Eric, uh, let's not let this be the last time we collab. Sounds good. I mean, when we when we when we uh, play each other for that stupid Illini Illabuck trophy, the historic, trophy. the historic. Oh my gosh! The proud Illabuck trophy. <laughs> you guys got some terrible trophies. The hat and the <laughs> Illabuck. What's going on, man? We're still working on the whole tradition thing. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you once again, Eric. Uh, it's been a blast. You're welcome, Austin. Thanks for having me on, guys. Take care. What an episode, Sonny. That was an awesome interview with Eric and three teams finishing 11 and one in the Big Ten East. That's kind of I mean, crazy. But it can happen, right? You know, Michigan plays yes. at Penn State. Uh, Penn State plays at Ohio State. And Ohio State plays at Michigan. So it's like, I mean, it'd be, it'd be wild if it happened. But, you know, it's it's the last year of divisions, the last year before college football goes crazy so you know why not and i feel like his analysis of wisconsin going 11 and 1 is a little premature it is seems like right. a square peg in a round hole at least in year one i know luke fickle will bring in his guys and his talent uh coming in to future years but this is a Wisconsin team that was built on the backs of Barry Alvarez, uh, continuing on to Jim Leonard, continuing on to Brett Bielema and Paul Christ. I mean, you can't just expect an air raid style offense right away. I know we'll get to it a little bit later in the Big Ten West podcast. But again, I think this is all premature, the celebrations of Luke Fickle and what he's going to do with this offense in Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean, again, as you said, we'll talk a little more in depth next week, but uh I love the fickle hire. I think, you know, I, I would have loved for him to even consider Illinois. I don't think he even gave us a second glance uh, if we reached out. Right. But in year <laughs> one, I, I don't know if I share the enthusiasm that uh, Eric did, but, you know, we'll see. Now, again, like I said, identity and, uh, and consistency and, I think that's what Illinois brings to the table. So Indianapolis bound still. <laughs> <laughs> and right, sim- we'll, we'll super, get into it. Yeah. Yeah. Simple reminder. If you want to see this Indianapolis bound Illinois football team, do me a favor, go to our YouTube page, hit like, hit subscribe, 
take a screenshot of it and send it to me at at IlliniCast. I'm giving away two tickets to every single game this season. I'll take care of parking for you. Just that's all you have to do. We'll announce a winner uh, before kickoff of each game. And, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing you at the stadium. All right. Last word, Sonny. Do the Cubs take the series against the Blue Jays? Is David Ross still managing? Um, we're on a roll. We're on a roll. But, you know, sometimes at the end of games, he, he just, it's like, what are you doing? So I'm going to say yes, because I think this is a special team. But after last night's game, I, you know, it, it's a simple reminder that this, you know, the specialness of a team may still be overcome by the tomfoolery of their manager. I agree. I, I still think they take two or three just because they have Justin Steele pitching in this series. So they're going to take two or three, continue on to the NL Central crown at the end of the year. Sonny, I want to thank you again for being my co-pilot once again. It's always great to see your face on the Atlanta Cast podcast. And again, a special thank you to Eric from the OHIO podcast. Uh, the season's coming up, so you're going to be seeing us collab with all the other teams um every week and you know austin and i are going to try to make this a twice a week podcast in the near future and again if you can just subscribe like you'll know when a new episode is out and uh, we look forward to watching the illinois football season with you all right see you sunny have a good weekend take care sir